0: Sonic Interventions a podcast by Intervening Arts.
1: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Sonic Interventions. Today we are recording from the South African capital of Pretoria on the beautiful campus at the University of Pretoria. And today I am delighted to be in conversation with our special guest, Dr. Nonpumelelo Zondi, also known as Mpume. Saubona. Guten Tag, Laila. Hello, thank you so much for your time. We know you are very busy. You are the professor and the head of the Department of African Languages here at the University of Pretoria. Mpume holds a PhD from the University of KwaZulu Natal and is a National Research Foundation rated scholar. She is passionate about women's rights and the alleviation of gender-based inequalities. She recently completed a program as a Fulbright Scholar at The Ohio State University. Her recent monograph, entitled Batla Belelani, Why Do They Sing? Gender and Power in Contemporary Women's Songs, was published by UKZN Press. It is a unique contribution to unlocking women's agency in the rural region of KwaZulu-Natal, And so we will hear more about the book today and also about Dr. Nzondi's research in general. So thank you. Maybe we will start by talking about your book, because this is also Women's Month in South Africa at the moment of recording, right? We're in August 2023. You have dedicated this research to the topic of gender and power. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more Let's start maybe in general with the role of song and sounds and music in South Africa in general, thinking
0: about the history
1: also and and the present today.
0: Thank you, Shane. Uh, Leila, I'm really so fascinated talking about my book because it's my passion. You know, women, gender, that's a subject that is very close to my heart. And now, add to that music, song, then this just uh, becomes a cherry on top. Let me just say something. You know, South Africa is a very diverse country, but interestingly, each and every culture in South Africa engages in song, one way or another. That, as it may, I belong to the Nguni group of people Amongst the, the people that call themselves Ngunis, it will be Zulu people, Xhosa people, Swazi people, and Ndebele people. So I belong to the Zulu tribe, if you want, or ethnic group. And for us, especially Zulus, under the big banner of Nguni, everything we do, is surrounded by music, by song. So for us, when we are happy, we sing. When we are sad, we sing. When there is gathering of any kind, we sing. So I think based on my book, there is this one quotation that I like a lot, which kind of summarizes what song and singing mean to us. And this is a quotation from one of the cultural critics, as well as one of the great authors, Tsim Simang. So I will read it in its original language, which is isiZulu, and then also my own translation of it in English. It goes... Kukukula loku kusemitanjeni yomuntu ongumzulu. Embeleni leli ni elinge elingepigwe. Futi alitini kumazulu otwa. Bonke abainzalu yase Afrika. Bazalu anaso lesisi piwo esipalulege gangaga. Uma kufiwe kuyahutwa. Uma kuchajiwe kuyashachelelu. Kupiozwe. Uma kuyimikosi kuyahaywa It's such a powerful statement which translates as Singing is ingrained in a Zulu person. In fact, this is an unquestionable truth and does not end with the Zulu people. But all descendants of Africa are born with this wonderful talent. If people are happy, they sing and dance. Whenever there are ceremonies, songs will be sung. When people are engaged in any kind of work, such as working in the fields, music will be there. In fact, whatever the occasion is, music will be part of it music will be there. In fact, whatever the occasion is, music will be part of it. So I think this statement just says it all about music and song.
1: Thank you so much. And I can relate to that because I was here 20 years ago in 2003 as an exchange student at the University of Cape Town, and so I really remember witnessing this powerful role of song and music in the everyday and also outside of the everyday. We know the history of South Africa and we know that songs plays an important role for protest. In your book, you were looking specifically at the rural area, right? At rural parts of KwaZulu-Natal, and more particularly at gender and the role of song for women. So I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about that. What did you observe there that was special about how women sing? Was it maybe a form, a kind of intervention into the society or their context where they are?
0: This is actually a very interesting question because I think it would be proper for me to just give you a brief background into this book. This book is informed or is a deconstruction of my PhD, which I did in 2008 at the University of uh, KwaZulu natal I am born and bred in Wazulu Natal in a rural village called Wandebekpege outside Epitamaritsbek. It's a village which, you know, missionaries sort of lived there and some years back, maybe in the late 1800s or so, because, you know, my great grandparents, I think they lived there around the early 20th a century. So the area is uh, predominantly Christian. So there were only two families which were not Christians. So these two families, they used to have these celebrations, these ceremonies of uh, coming-of-age ceremonies. is called memulo, or when a young men has found love, oh, ma, you know, kind of, uh, would say, engagement, that kind of thing. The funny thing is, as I was growing up, I used to see these things happening around my home, but I was not allowed to be part of those ceremonies because, you know, we are Christians, we don't want to associate with the pagans. Even though, as people, we lived peacefully with amongst them and with them, and uh, their children were friends with, would meet at the river, fetch water together, and so on and so on. But when it came to their ceremonies, uh, somehow, my family, and like in any other families, that was regarded as not being a proper Christian, if you join those. But as when I grew up, I started studying, uh, studying at different places, going to university, teaching at certain places, I said to myself, I'm just fascinated with my own culture, especially the lacuna, the gap in my own upbringing as a Zulu woman. There are ceremonies that I believe, under normal circumstances, I would have loved to also go through, but because of the circumstances under which I was born, I miss those. And so... When I started teaching in Pine Town, a friend of mine used to teach at the place called Wazweli which was about 30 kilometers away from the town of Pine Town, which is not so far away from Deben. She would invite me on weekends and say, come to the place where I teach. And then, you know, they always have these beautiful ceremonies. And I would go with her. This happened almost every weekend. They had, there was just something, there was just something. Girls coming of age ceremony, typical uh, traditional Zulu wedding. The functions were more or less around women. And sometimes it would just be women celebrating, just being women, singing as women groups. And I said to her, you know what? I'll come back to this area. One day when I plan to do my PhD, I'm going to come to this area. And that was about 1995. Mm -hmm. Guess what? 10 years later, I did my research. In fact, a little earlier than 10 years later, because I started in 2004. You know, the protocols that uh, I had to go through in order to do that, besides my university, ethical clearances, and so on. So on. But when I actually had to go to the village called Kwaswilibomvu, which was very much similar to my Kwandebeke village, there were similarities, but and yet the experience I had had was very different. But what made it similar was the two families, the things that I had seen through the window, or just standing at my own home, looking across there in the open space, seeing things happening, hearing songs and so on. But not as clearly as if I would have been part of the gathering. That is what my book is about. You know, in as much as you know, when I I, I first talked about that summary by M Simang that song is part of Zulu people's lives, or Africans as a whole. But the fact that I decided to focus on women's songs means that there must have been something that drove me there. You know, Zulu society is very much patriarchal in nature. It means that power is something that is... You know, if you are a woman and you are a man, your powers are not the same. There are things that you can say, there are things that you may not be allowed to say. You just know those uh, things. They're just nuances that uh, make you aware. Through the practice or cultural practices called wushonipa, you know, as a woman, you know your place. You know what is expected of you. And so... Sometimes women feel that there are things that happen in their lives, but they cannot say them. They cannot speak about them. Through song, they are able to, because songs works as a license. So it kind of gives women a license to say that which they would not normally say in a normal speech. So that is where the crux of the matter is, that through songs... You learn so much about what women experience. But the beautiful thing also about it is that while it entertains, while women, when they sing, they will be excited, they will be jolly, and they'll be, you know, happy. And then, you know, you ask, why do you sing? Like, that's the title of my book. I deliberately... With the help of my other supervisor, who happened to be Liz Garner, we just were playing about, what are we going to name the title of my mm-hmm. PhD? And we agreed that, let's just put a little taste of Zulu in it. So if I say, why do women sing? Mm-hmm. Then I decided, let's start with asking that question in Zulu, which is, so, why do they sing? It's an exact translation of then gender and power in contemporary women's songs. So, these songs somehow liberate women. And uh, people ask, how does it happen? And uh, you know, from the responses that women would say, it's very interesting to say that some of them felt that even if it's just for a moment, it doesn't need to be a forever sort of thing, but a feeling, but just that feeling of I've told him, I've expressed myself, I've said something. You know, for instance, there's one song which I just made to think of right now, where the women of Mukangoma in Zuribom would sing. It goes... Um quenya Numaeza Langam Gizo Hamp Mae Salangam Gizo Hamp gon on to we'll hamp bang pindecaya Um quenya Numae zalangam Gizo Ham My Gizo pinde So you know what it means if uh, my husband maltreats me I will go. If my husband maltreats me, I will go and go back home. I will leave him. I will go. I will leave. Then you ask the question, You still misses so and so? You haven't left? And then they laugh and, like, Yeah, but anyway, they know it's kind of a warning if you don't treat me well. You know, when it happens, when we sing, we feel the joy of having told them. When we leave the Isikau, you know, the open space where there is a gathering and we sing those songs, we just feel victorious. It really doesn't matter for how long. And in any case, it uh, gives us uh, this joy of accomplishment. And, uh, you know, because we are singing as women, we come from different experiences in our families. And, you know, for instance, when they sing the working songs, Ilima, when they work as women, Ilima is a collective word for women when they come together to help uh, one another with the house chores or without whatever needs to be done. It could be to harvesting or to plant whatever or to grow vegetables or whatever, or even to fix houses. And so they're working together and then in between working They will sit down and drink amahewu, which is fermented porridge, and share whatever food they brought. And during that time of sharing, that's when they start talking about their hard lives, you know. And uh, it's actually very interesting when you listen to the stories that we'll share, because these stories sort of... And also by sharing with other women. You know, these days we talk of uh, mental health and all those issues. But these women... They don't have these depressions and you don't hear of those things because they vent out, they speak out whatever they are going through. And they actually will also even exchange some ideas as to how you can avoid this, how you can prevent this, how you can maybe make your husband treat you better. And also then you know when you do a study like this you can't just uh, restrict it to women 100 percent there's a percentage of which that you need to find out from men why do you think women sing why do they sing ah they they, 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 they sing just uh, to to talk about us they they, 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 they want to uh, they want us to know what they go through and so on and so on and like what what about you? Do you sing? Oh, yeah, we sing. What do you sing about? Ah, oh, we just sing about uh, us being men, what it means to be a man. But, you know, they would like kind of a bit about a push. But they know that when women are together, they will talk about them, which is actually quite a good thing because each man will try that is not a subject of a conversation when the, the women are together. So in a way, I think that on its own Brings about this peace. That is why, honestly, in as much as women can say, we express ourselves, we we tell our men, because these songs are sung in in public. So these songs are for public consumption. When men are there and they hear this, they feel like in future I must do better. So, honestly, it may be very minimal, but there is advocating for peace. So the songs serve as a way of advocating for peace in families and also of assuring women that what we are going through, you are not alone. We are there with you.
1: Thank you. That was very powerful to hear and I really appreciate also the connection you draw because as you're saying... There are these structures historically in Zulu society, Zulu culture, also cultures that colonialism has tried to dismantle, but that are still present. And as you say, it is also, what I understand is that it's an intervention from the women into the context they're in, but also related to yeah preserving mental health, as you're saying, or having a way through the arts, because song is part of the performing arts, right, to communicate with each other, to also express what needs to express. And especially in the public space, that's very interesting. So I'm wondering, when you were observing or talking to the people, did you notice in terms of, would it uh, change around, let's say if there's several women, every woman kind of takes a ton in initiating the song? Or is it that someday maybe one woman would take on the lead more on songs? I'm just wondering in terms of the music, you know, or kind of how it works. If it's a lot of call and responses or rather everyone singing at the same time. Just curious because, yeah, as a musician also, you know.
0: Well, what is actually quite interesting about these songs is that they cross boundaries. You know, my study had to do with songs by young maidens reaching womanhood. So in other words, umemulo, coming of age. So those were the songs that young maidens would sing. But then also there was a group of women who are maybe, say, young Makotis, young brides, you know, people maybe who might be in their 30s to 40s, that kind of thing. So they would also have women's groups where they sing, and they sing for entertainment in the area, you know in Gubo for instance when it's a New Year's Eve or something like that or Christmas Day or something like that they would just gather different districts would gather in one district and then they compete just to showcase their talent showcase their dancing skills because when they dance, Even the attire they wear becomes part of uh, their dancing. And sometimes just by looking at the way they are dressed. So as as districts, they just want to win. You know, there will be a stake that uh, they are going to win. It could be these days maybe a thousand rand per group. Or it could be a sheep, you know, which they will slaughter and then share. Or it could even be a cow. So this is the second group. So the third one is women... Much older women who've been married for a very long time, most of the time they have grandchildren and so on and so on. So these are the ones now who would sing Ugu uh, or it's called, in Zolibomvu, it's uh, called Ugu These are personal solo songs by women. But now for the girls' coming-of-age ceremony, it's a public thing because some men also Young men, they might find their potential wives, but now the the grandmother, for example, would be part of this ceremony, and then that thing that uh, is a key, or that poem that private, uh, personal solo thing it leaves the Zulu rondavel, you know, to the public, and that she's just gonna get out of nowhere and throw herself into the sand and start dancing. And women who say the chorus, you know, like respond to what she says, will join. And it ends up being a public affair. And then people might also think, wow, so this uh, is so-and-so, this is a a key, so it means that, you know, but then they also, again, the fluidity, the flexibility of these songs where I say, you know, it crosses the genres, you know, it's not just going to be stuck and, and be stiff and just be there. It can go anywhere. Because even now, these women who I said, they compete for this and that. Again, when it is a coming-of-age ceremony, you will still find those songs there. When it is a wedding, there are also wedding, you know, wedding songs. The young maidens, when there is a song that uh, in Zolibomvu was always sung everywhere I went, it went... Baba Wam Baba wami We Baba wami We Baba wami Wang Caesar Wang Mulis Baba Wam Baba Wam and then the other people will sing Baba Wam Baba Wam Wang Caesar Wang Mulis and then they could say Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for celebrating this coming of age ceremony for me. I'm tired of uh, saying I-, I don't have money, I don't have cows. So, because I haven't gone through this ceremony, because this ceremony requires that. Uh, you know, you slaughter a cow, there's fisting and so on and so So if a man doesn't have cows, they are not going to do that. But now, a young girl who has not gone through that process might be ridiculed by other young... When are you going to have yours? So now, the, the, the girl now... And, and those maidens that are with her because it would be one girl's coming of age ceremony but there would be also others in the village coming to support her. So they will all be singing and it's so beautiful when they sing in the chorus because, you know, they also represent modernity, tradition and all. So it'd be like... I'm tired of which is saying you don't have uh, cows, thank you for celebrating this for me. And then they'll go say, saying you are a dog, you don't have money. You are a dog, you don't have cows. So it just shows how much umemulo, coming-of-age ceremony, for a Zulu girl means. So it's very
1: interesting to hear about this different generational relation to song uh, regarding gender and agency, as you mentioned. Talking about young people, you recently also wrote a chapter in an anthology called African Performance Arts and Political Acts. Here I believe that you write about the role of song maybe in higher education or maybe protest song which, as we know, is also very important. Well, the history of this country, right? South Africa, there's this whole history of people and also especially maybe young people going out on the street and marching and singing and protesting. So I was wondering if, yes, maybe now you would like to comment upon that in the most recent situation in South Africa, maybe also with some connection to the history of song yeah, and the protest also against apartheid.
0: Yeah, political activism in South Africa has been as old as one can remember. You know, I'm born in the early 1960s, and so as such, I know what it is to live in apartheid time. You could not go to certain places when you are in the city, in town. We were allocated certain uh, places to go to, even using bathrooms, you couldn't just go to anywhere. there was this thing, non-whites, net blankets, this is for if you are not white, or this is for whites only. We know that, you know, we lived through that, we saw it, you know, I actually even remember the time when I'd be going to, to town with my mother, and she would be holding, holding me like this, and uh, you you know, I, I would want to go to this, and she would be pulling me, and I I didn't understand, and I, I think that Curious uh, person in me would actually ask her, why can't I go there? Oh, no, because, you know, it's not for us. It's for white people. You know, so you grow up as a child knowing that there is inequality, which is why I rebelled in inverted commas where I was like, no, now you know what. I'm independent. I'm old enough. I want to understand why was I not part of those young people dancing and singing, and of course, later on, I mean, the, the kind of songs that I would listen to, oh, my, at first my ears would really paint, because I was like, do you actually say that in public? But I mean, that's just the nature of ceremonies and the songs. I'm saying that now, coming from that culture, a song has also been something that kept the people going, When they work in the mines, men would sing songs and their wives would stay at home, sing songs, remembering missing their husbands and so on and so on. And song just never left where people were. One way or another, there would be songs. And so the songs that I had even as a young person, is actually so interesting that I heard them at the universities when students were going on protests. You know, around twenty fifteen, just around the time, everywhere in South Africa, everywhere there were protests. You, you, you know, because young people were feeling that you know what, I want a better deal. If our parents can't afford us education, why can't the government afford us education? Why can't they do something for us? And so. Protest took a form of song, so young people would sing. And so I'm saying that there's this song which I used to hear when I was young, be it on the radio, be it seeing people when they get wild, because uh, there's something that they want to protest about. And this song is... Senzenina, oh senzeni na senzeni na senzeni na senzeni na and then it goes on to say so no so no what have we done what have we done so our sin is just being black then it would also go on to say, Wake up, Shaga. Because Shaga was a Zulu warrior who was never afraid of anybody or any tribe. In fact, he, he fought to unite Zulu people into one very big nation, which is why we are around today. If he had been a coward or would find ourselves being something else. So... The song says, you know, wake up, Shaga, let's fight them. This song was sung back then, and now young people who were not there when apartheid was rife, they sang those songs during the protest. And... There is not a single institution where, when students are protesting, they don't sing the, this song. And it's not only students. They even hear it in the townships. They hear it on the streets, everywhere. These are kind of songs. It's really interesting you saying that because I know this
1: song. When I was here in 2003, there was this film that came out, Amandla, A Revolution in Four-Part Harmony, I'm sure you know it, where there was all this history. And this song particularly moved me, like in a special
0: way. So it's mm-hmm. interesting you mentioned this one. It's kind of... A, a prayer, it's a protest song. You know, the tempo, the rhythm, the lyrics, it touches to the core, especially when you think these are the young people who are born in the 2000s and late, very late 90s. For them to be, these songs, they've migrated, they have moved in new context, within new context, but the songs, not having changed any bit, and the message about this is still protest, complain, even after we think that we're a democratic country.
1: Thank you so much for your time. I think that was very rich content. Siabonga.
0: Danke schön, und wiedersehen. <laughs>